met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. episode of Subconscious Realms International Roundtable. I'm your host, General Lee, and for tonight, we shall undoubtedly be unleashing an episode beyond fascination uh, with tonight's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, from the USA, uh, Raven Kiefer, and from Mexico, uh, Juan. Now then, gentlemen. Okay. Hi. Uh, yeah. So, uh, before we begin, uh, would you like to let everybody know where they can get hold of you, please, Raven? All right, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, <laughs> is that is that referring to me as a senior citizen? <laughs> 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 I'm the oldest of the bunch of us, I bet. All right, so uh, you can find me on Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, Spreaker.com. It's no apologies, enough said, or you can look me up under Raven Kiefer. Uh, and Juan? You can find me on Twitter as at Pulpasoid, P-U-L-P-Z-Pulpasoid. <laughs> I lost track of the letters. It's Pulpasoid. <laughs> nice, right. yeah, I'll add your, your socials, etc. in the show notes anyway, like I normally do. Uh, but uh, thank you, gentlemen. So, um, what have you been up to? You know, I've been researching uh, the first nuclear reactors. You won't believe this, but the first nuclear reactor that went uh, ballistic, that exploded the first time, it wasn't in the 20th century. It happened around 12,000 years before Christ in a mine uh-huh. called the Oklo mine in, in Africa. Apparently, there's a lot of radioactive material. The shape was pretty much like that of a modern uh, reactor. Some water came in and it went insane. Well, like how do you spell the mine, please? What? Uh, last time I checked is the Oklo mine, which Oklo. is O-K-L-O, Oklo. Oklo mines. Wow. 12,000 years before, before Christ. Something like that, yeah. Incredible, that, mate. Never heard of this. Uh, <sighs> it, it's fascinating. <laughs> it, it really is fascinating. Have you heard of this, Raven? I have heard of it, but I never dug into it. But there is evidence globally that they were using nuclear fissile material 
as yeah. far back as far back as fifteen thousand years ago that we can track. Now I want to hear more oh, about yeah. this Oklo mine. Me too. Sounds incredible. Well, it was according to this, it happened. It was discovered around 1972, and apparently it happened on the order of billions of years ago. But there's there's this line of investigation that I'm following, where uh, where radioactivity is the the center of it. You see, mm-hmm. there is a a miracle. I'm a Catholic, so I believe in miracles. And there's this miracle where the Virgin appeared to a group of people in, in Portugal. Well, the, the, the children of Fatima, mm-hmm. one of them died of radiation. Yes. And one of the things they saw was the sun changing shape, which I imagine is a vision of a lot of heat, and a lot of radiation. And I was wondering, what if God makes uh, miracles uh, radioactively, because radioactivity is what transmutes one element into another. And it sounds crazy, but there is always this background radiation and everything. I thought that radiation counters would start at zero, but they don't. There's always some background radiation. Always. I thought they started at zero. I was thinking that maybe when God changes something in, in, in the world, he does it through through radioactivity and transforms the atoms from one thing into another. So I've been following anything that has to do with radiation before the creation of nuclear plants. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you point the well, aren't you? I mean, was it? Could it have been God's intention? I think so. You know, when I look at, uh, like, let's let's just take, uh, I'm going to use amphibians because that's what I know with the science that I've studied. When the sun mm-hmm. changes its radiance, we get a change. Uh, they call it a mutation, but a lot of times these mutations that you see in amphibians is actually an improvement and makes them more viable for the environment just that they're mm-hmm. living in. Now, would that not be the hand of the creator? Yeah, that, that's what but, I think. But yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's a little bit different, a little bit different perspective coming from me because I'm Native American. You know, it's it's the great mystery that created all things. But um, when you look at the genetic changes that come from radiation, not all of them are negative. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of what you see is positive. And I've always wondered about the uh, the uh, uh, miracle of Fatima because the description sounded like, for lack of a better re- description, it sounded almost like a nuclear blast is what one of them described. Yeah. Um, but would that be the energy? Would that be the energy coming through? You know, we're talking about something that is outside of creation. Obviously, couldn't be within. Would that not be the ra- the uh, energy coming through in order to touch one of us? And in this case, the, the girls of Fatima? Exactly. <laughs> See, I mean, I mean, we're, we're... Could, could, Go ahead, do you think, Sorry, Paul. Do you think it could possibly be 
a form of evolution to some extent. Yeah, I think we got irradiated and that's how we evolved. It's a working hypothesis, but I, I think that's what transformed us from monkeys to, to people. Yeah. <laughs> why, why not? Also, why there's, there's something else, but I, I need to check it because I'm yeah. not sure it's a, it's a real story. There was a story on, on a, I think it was a British paper. It was about um, a microscope. I don't know the, the name of the type of microscope. But they were checking sand that was the result of a nuclear explosion. And they had this, uh, this design in the, in, the, in the sand. Like when you put in a microscope, you would see the inverted pentagram. And I thought that, that that's perfect. That's, that's what I would think it would come out of radiation, something like that. But I have to check it with someone else. Because maybe it's just a made-up story that sounds well, but it's not real, you know? You know, uh, when Grubb and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, he and I pointed out that in the southwest part of the United States, where the Hopi and the Navajo live, and also in, in Australia, there are mines that contain, I mean, these were actual mines, they were worked, that contain radioactive material. And it predates any of the people that live there. Um, so that shows that somebody was seeking radioactive, you know, nuclear material long before. Someone had a use for it. Yeah. 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 In India, there are um, vestiges. How do you say that word? Vestiges. Vestiges. There's some residual radiation in, in, in India. And, and, mm -hmm. and I haven't been able to, to track down that that explanation but in the bhagavad gita i think bhagavad gita one of those holy uh, scriptures of india there's a lot of um, weird stuff yeah some of it is advanced weaponry because the whole story is the story of a war and mm -hmm. one of those weapons was very similar to a nuclear uh, device but mm -hmm. of course it was it would make little sense to us you know well, I want to track it down. Uh, uh, you want to read the Baga, Baga, <laughs> Bada? Yeah, my, Bada my, yeah, my teeth are, are clicking. Shame on me, guys. And you want to read the Upanishads. But uh, there's also, there's also, uh, I'm literally, my teeth are clicking. We've got low pressure, so my plate's not staying where it's supposed to. <laughs> yes, yes, I said it. that on the air. Yeah, I said that on the air. Um, but uh, yeah, my top plate's floating today. It's weird. Anyway, uh, you also have radioactive fallout in El Salvador up on the high desert. You have it in North Africa below uh, in the lower part of Saudi Arabia. There's also uh, been radioactive fallout in Australia. And I'm trying to remember the other place somewhere in China. But see, these all have shocked quartz crystal. Now, the only way you can get shocked quartz crystal is if you've had a nuclear blast, it requires that kind of a fission in order to create it. So it shows that they've been used. Um, good thing we're on together, Juan, because I can give you some information to help you uh, do more research. Yeah. What did you What did you say the name of the crystal is? Quartz? It's a type yes, of quartz. It's shocked 
shocked, as in S H O C K E D, shocked quartz crystal. Um, you can find it in the deserts of Nevada where they set off the bombs there. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that is it, Raven. Is that where they used all of the nuclear testing in Nevada? Yes. Yes. Wow. There's been loads of it uh, there, that month. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that's how that's how others were able to figure out that the shock quartz crystal in El Salvador and uh, uh, southern uh, southern uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, Australia and China were nuclear explosions. I'll tell you something else too, right there in Mexico, you know the dead zone in North Central yeah. Mexico, there's yeah. shock quartz crystal there too. Mm. You know, the dead zone in Mexico, according to some Aztecs, it was the holy land of Aztlán, uh, the birthplace of the Mexica that uh, conquered uh, Tenochtitlan and made what is not what is now Mexico. It was around that area in the dead okay. zone. Were, yeah. were they considered like were they considered like elder beings? I don't know. I, they didn't. They didn't have like forefathers there. They just had the the impression of the fantastic place mm. with and and the migration. But they don't even know why they're migrating. They know they migrate and they know they have to migrate to a to a place where uh, an eagle is attacking a serpent on a lake. That was the uh, the holy mission. Is this and why you that on your flag? One? Sorry, what? Is that, is that why you've got you've got an eagle and a snake on the off flag, haven't you, in the Mexican flag? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Is this why? Hey, is General. General and Juan, I got to point out that when we were talking to Grub, how were the rivers created in Australia? A snake being chased by a hawk or an eagle. Mm. Isn't that curious? Yeah, that's very curious. Oh, because man. that 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 ties that ties the culture in the from the dead zone in Mexico to the mythology of Australia. Hmm. Blow my mind again, Raven. Well, see, the <laughs> thing about it is, with uh, Juan, I got to tell you, just to be fair to you, I have an eidetic memory. So uh, the stuff that I studied when I was younger is about a hundred percent. The stuff that I've studied in the last twenty years is about ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent. So once it's in my brain, it's kind of trapped, and that's how I make the connections that I do the way that I do. But I would definitely, definitely, Juan, you're in Mexico. You could actually look into the dead zone a lot easier than I could. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe talk to some of the old tribal people that live just below that area. I would be meant one if you could do that. You know, many people blame a UFO. Well, the, now we're people talking. that live there, they they blame a UFO. They think their um, UFO is there, affecting well, the, that, the radio waves. But see, now that takes us back to the Vimana from the Rig Veda and the uh, Upanishads. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> See, the, the, the thing about it is, is, is this is why I like this international uh, conversation, General, is because yeah. now we're finding now we're finding parallels between Mexico and Australia and Cherokee lore. Yeah, mate. 
so Juan, do, what do you what do you know about the the dead zone? Because I know there's radioactive signals there. Well, I know now uh, electrical signals have problems there. The radio doesn't work. The um, well, things like the watches, for example, they mm -hmm. they start to lose time. And the, the, there have been a lot of supernatural um, instances of not only losing time in your watch, but also uh, losing time in your life. You know, wow. you're doing something, then eight hours later you're in the middle of the desert next to the highway, and you have no idea what happened in the middle. See, that, that sounds like skin, that sounds like skinwalker here in the United States. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the connection's wow. here. I'm coming thick, so, so, let's go back. I'm not trying to to overshadow this thing, but let's go back to the radioactive signals. If if we have these in El Salvador, we and in El Salvador, one that's where the uh, ruins down there were blown apart. The, the megaliths. Really. Yeah, that's where the megaliths were blowing apart up there on the high desert in El Salvador. And then uh, you have uh, melted buildings all across Africa. Well, the desert part of Africa. But we don't know if that was a solar flare or if that was part of the war of renown that the the uh, Vedic literature talks about from India. Mm -hmm. but, but it would be curious. See. I hadn't made the connection between the radiation being a direct signal. Have you ever heard people talking about the sun? The sun does this too. And of course, the sun would be a gift from the creator. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, Raven, this could have, a, we have covered this on a previous episode. Do you think this could have any link to Sorath Sundim? Mm -hmm. Well, not as not as far as uh, not as far as the uh, the miracle at Fatima goes, but when you think about the change in the solar cycles and the ages of mankind, which Juan's probably heard those from from his lore, but uh, the four suns and the four ages of man, um, you know, we don't know what's been lost. It could be a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand years ago at this point. That's where we get into trouble. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it, the the creation of the sun is one of the basic myths that the Aztecs had, and one of the few myths that actually survived the destruction of their culture, which was yeah. a premeditated destruction. And one of the few things that survived was the creation of the sun, where different gods have to compete, and someone has to offer themselves to die for for the sun to be created. Yeah. And they had to do this over and over and over again uh, for a fifth time. But the Spaniards came in centuries before. There were no Aztec um, rituals made. So we don't know what happens to the fifth son. Right. Well, right. and that go that goes to the Hopi that says that, that this is the end of the age. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really interesting, too, that... that See, we go back to the radiation. When you when you look at the places around the world that have been irradiated and it looks like nuclear weapons, um, when it was done by human hands, it wasn't positive. But when you look at the miracle of Fatima, the warning that was given, see, now that was a positive thing. It shows two different sources. 
What's that called, Rev? The Miracle of Fatima? Yeah. Yeah, Fatima is spelled F-A-T-I-M-A. Is that, um, is that Roman Catholic, that? Yes. Right, okay. Thank you. Yeah, please note that I don't I don't discard things like that for any reason because there have been so many of these things that that have happened. Um, oh, so many of them, but not as yeah. Not do, do you know if the the shroud of Turin is radioactive? The shroud of Turin was done using a. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Give me a second. It's it's a reflective process. Um, they use a mirror and sunlight in order to create it. Um, I, I don't want to uh, crush anybody's hopes, but the Shroud of Turin was made probably about the time of uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Um, the process that was used to make it, it's, it's the only way that it could have been made. <laughs> what What is the Shroud of Turin? I'm, 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 Heard of it. I'm just the, the Shroud of Turin is the legendary uh, shroud. It's a piece of cloth that was yeah. put in um, on top of Christ when he died. The, um, the story goes that when Jesus died um, and he came back, there was a flash of light and there was the, the printing of his face and his body in the shroud. So I was thinking that maybe if it's radioactive, then maybe it did happen but again yeah. i'm a catholic so i believe that stuff well you know with me i i dug into the shroud of turin because i'm like first of all this guy looks like he's european not semitic <laughs> that's the thing that oh, gave yeah. it away. that's yeah, 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 that's yeah. that's what that is what i saw was someone who was Euro european and and not uh of arab origin which christ would have had to been um yeah so, so that's that's the reason why I even dug into it when I did. And uh, Leonardo da Vinci had a process by which he could use sunlight and a mirror, and he could actually, for lack of a better de uh, description, he could actually make a negative on his canvases. Right. So I should check if there is any painting with radioactivity or or radioactive particles because. The color many Definitely. times came from the from the mines, and yes. many mines have also the radioactive salts of Tibet. True, true. Um, cobalt, cobalt, and titanium both would contain radioactivity if it was in the air. Yeah, yeah, and some uh, and some llamas, according to the huge mythology of the of the llamas of Tibet, they use radioactive salts to kind of activate themselves. Hmm. This is would before be, the the chemical drugs that we have today. <laughs> Remember that that the, the, the llamas used to come down from the from the mountain tops and they would kill absolutely everyone because they believed people uh, would just reincarnate. So it wasn't a big deal for them to murder everyone. That's how martial arts began because everyone else had to defend themselves from these these animals. And before they started, mm -hmm. they would take the radioactive salts. So say they were high and they were, God only knows what, irradiated with something. Mm. Sounds uh, fascinating. Yeah, I'm I'm have to look that's into something that. they don't tell you about the Dalai Lama. 
No, hey, do you know uh, what, mysteriously what, uh, nobody talks about that aspect of the Dalai Lama? Yeah. Well, yeah. For a, for a long time, those those that were in the high mountains of Tibet were butchers. They they would come down and and wipe out whole villages. Um, but historically, they couldn't. Historically, they don't. If you go back through the paperwork, you can't track a direct line, even though we know they come from the same monasteries up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's a big mystery. Whatever happened there. I've never heard of the uh, Tibetan monks coming down like and butchering. Uh, Ah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they had their own slaves, man. They had a a kingdom with slaves. And and they were pretty uh, rich and and prosperous. But when something went wrong and they didn't have enough food, they were the ones that were well-fed during a time where rice was mostly... What everybody ate every day. So here comes these people that are very tall, very muscular, and they are, again they think you just reincarnate like a bug, like an insect. So they didn't really care about human life. No, That's not in the way we care. When China invaded Tibet and the Dalai Lama managed to escape, they had to to make small all the details that normal liberal people would not accept about the king of slaves. So they had to change things around and create this image where he is a man of peace and a man of understanding and a man of, instead of, uh, he's the owner of men's slaves. I did not know any, it's incredible. Yeah, they got squeezed in between the Chinese and the English. Um, coming mm-hmm. up through in- India, and they they basically had a choice: either change or die. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's how uh, that's how uh, military arts were were invented, kung fu and so on. It was invented so they, the the peasants could fight off the lamas. Right. All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, some of them have been. Thousands of years old, some of the old martial yeah. arts, and so this is because. Oh, yeah, of- yeah um, the original writings go back to the uh, Golden Emperor, so we're probably talking six to eight thousand years. Golden Emperor. Yeah, yeah. The Golden Emperor uh, was a set, the Golden Inter- Emperor's books were a set of books that were passed down through the uh, well, the dragon lineage of of the emperors of, of China. And near as we can figure, they go back to just after the last big cataclysm, and that would have been about 12,900 years. So his reign, his reign must have started as soon as they could get re-established after that big cataclysm. Um, some people say it was before, but I, I can't verify that. I can only track it back about eight to 10,000 years. Still, still raving eight to ten thousand years giving it back that's old that's really old well and you know the thing about it is 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 in western culture they teach us that, that there's nothing that old to mm-hmm. found, and that's not true we have we have stuff out of india and stuff out of china that that goes back at least two thousand and some in some cases as much as as eight to ten thousand years yeah I mean, do you know what, we, when you mentioned earlier about the India, you know, the, is it Bhagadavita? Oh, Bhagadavita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have seen 
uh, like artist illustrations, you know, um, or I'm presuming it's with regards to what you was mentioning earlier, and it looks like there's some sort of device, like a weapon, what they're using in this this battle. I'm thinking if it's something to do with about like radiation. Mm-hmm. Could be. Well, they, they said have they made war. Nice. So, so yeah, I think it was possible. Well, you know, I mean, with the Vimanas. If you're in a war and you know things in a mine, a special type of rock that can kill anyone just by being close to someone, you don't know how they kill them, but you know the effect it has. It's a, it's a thing of, of uh, it's a weapon. And really all you need is about 50 kilos of uranium. And that's to do in a mine. So it's possible right. that they have access to weapons beyond their, their imagination. Well, and, you know, we know for a fact that they had magnetic cannons that didn't require black powder. <laughs> the, cannons, exactly. the, cannons, the cannons worked like a maglev. Um, they, they fired up the cannons, and, and as the charge went down the coils, the, the projectile launched out of them. All right. But that's created, like, the southwest similar effects. It will do, won't it? Yeah, well, and you know the other the other issue that you have is is what Juan was saying. If you had just a if you had just a kilo of uranium in somebody's water, you know their main water supply, you could wipe out a whole city. Wow. <laughs> it just sounds like it really does sound crazy. It's saying just just that a lot, just something. Like you're saying then, Raven, uranium, and you could wipe out like a, a village. Well, you could wipe out a city the size of New York if you put it in their water supply. It might take yeah. a few years for them all to get sick, but it, it's achievable then, yeah, isn't it? Is that a UFO? <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> That, that was somebody down on the main road with no exhaust pipe, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and Juan brought it up, you know, in the in the Baga, Baga, here we go again, in the in the Vedic literature. Let me just say it that way. They talk about the Vimana that could appear, appear and disappear. And they dropped weapons on the people underneath them that resembled nuclear weapons. So it's it's not outside of historical knowledge. It's just outside of most historical knowledge. Yeah. Oh, to add to that, Raven, what they would like us to know and knowledge. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's so, like, sorry, Raven, go on, mate, sorry. Well, that's all right. So, Juan, um, what else had you found as far as uh, uh, the radiation? I, w- I want to get back to that. I don't want to lose that train of thought. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, yeah. I was chasing these uh, works of art that were supposed to be miraculous because they were they had healing properties, but nothing came out of it. Hmm. Well, that's 
that's unfortunate. <laughs> well, you know, they had yeah. uh, there. There was a group that that came out of the early Catholic Church that had what they called healing water. Nobody could ever quite figure it out, but it was kind of a milky color. And mm-hmm. what a lot of us, what a lot of us had come to the conclusion of was that it was monoatomic gold, like they used in Egypt. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was. I heard about the mono, mono something gold, monoatomic. Yeah, you know, it's that mono, monoatomic. Water, my wife's aunt went over there to use that water to pray to God so that her daughter wouldn't turn into a lesbian. It did not work. So I don't know what to believe about the water. <laughs> well, my my suggestion on that one is, is that we can pray for people, but in the end, it's their choice, not ours. It's people. <laughs> yeah. We tried to tell her that, but she was obstinate about going to the to the water because apparently it did save her her husband. Her husband is very my wife's uncle. He's very sickly with um, a type of blood um, uh, illness. Anyway, when they went to France, they came back with a lot of great medical prospects because something went well on his body. You know, something really worked and people say it was precisely the water of that town in in Reims in in, in France. Yeah. Well, anyway, Which anyway, I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen medical uh, miracles that would stump anyone with mm-hmm. uh, homeopathy. I don't know about homeopathy. Oh yeah. But my father was in death's door. I mean death's door. The man was nothing but bone and skin. And from that, he came back fully, fully well, fully restored from that with homeopathy. Everyone said it was crazy. Everyone said it wouldn't work. And like my mother said, when he's sick, uh, you know, we have I have to howl to the moon in order to get him back. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And turns out she didn't need to howl to the moon. Homeopathy was there. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, in ancient times, they had homeopathy. That's one oh, yeah. of the the lost sciences. General, should I tell him about my flower garden? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have your flower garden? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, a lot of people look at my wildflowers. I've got a large wildflower garden. And a lot of people look at it and say, oh, that's pretty. And they don't understand. That's homeopathy. That's medicine. The roots, mm-hmm. the flowers, the, the, the petals, the leaves. Um, there's a lot of things that grow around my house. People don't realize it's medicine. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's even, uh, well, what's even more interesting about it all, it's, it's part of uh, one's, it's like your heritage, sort of, so to speak, which yes. is raven. Yeah. Yeah, my family, like, my family uh, were people who harvested herbs and roots. So that's that's where I learned it. Um, but that is homeopathy. You know, I don't I don't deal so much with stone, although there are some homeopaths that work with sulfur and, and different minerals. But uh, I work with plants and roots and herbs. Um, 
you know, a lot of times miracles are given to you from people that you come in contact with. Um, a lot of times just having the contact with them is a miracle and then people get healed. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like your dad, he met someone who knew the medicine and it Mm -hmm. gave him the miracle that he needed. Yeah. Oh, oh, I have there's, there's something here in my notes. I was thinking about uh, European Jesus, which always kind of a hard to imagine that a man born Galilee in, in in Israel would look like a European from southern Germany or northern Italy. However, a 2020 DNA study discovers that Amenhotep the third the patriarch of the most well-known Egyptian dynasty is of Yamania descent on both his paternal and maternal side. Wow. 13 samples derived from a Nubian site traced back to the Proto-Indo-Iranian steppes. Yeah, Nubia, which is home to the blackest, most beautiful people, but they're black like, like purple type of black. You know, mm-hmm. and they found they found white people there from the Indo-Iranian steppes, which is the birthplace of white people. So I was thinking that I don't know. I mean, stranger things have happened. Maybe Jesus did look like a European. After all, uh, northern uh, northern Africa was very European. Very, it was filled with white people. Yeah, you know all, about that. But... Up till centuries later. And, and yeah, I think, yeah. I, I was going to say, by that time, you would have already had the uh, uh, Greco-Roman invasion. You would have already mm-hmm. had the the Phoenicians and the Minoans and the Venetians, the trade traders, T-R-A-D-E-R-S. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's very possible that the bloodlines along that uh section of of africa and down into the arabian peninsula could have very well been well well mixed oh yeah <laughs> and those bloodlines they're uh, in the middle ages when uh, european empires started to be forged with charlemagne people started to really care about the bloodline about the origins of of where the ruling family came from yeah. And a lot of people tried to match it to, to Jesus. To, uh, there was a, a British movement called British Israelism, which mm-hmm. is to try to see Israel as a piece of the Holy Land because the tribe of Dan, it's a tribe of one of the 12 tribes of, of Judea, they migrated to modern-day Ireland. The Irish come from, from there. So the, in British Israelism, they try to prove that the queen somehow comes from Abraham or from Moses or from one of those big figures, no, like King Cyrus. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that you have a podcast and this uh, topic has been uh, popular. So I was wondering if you know about the, what they call the 13 Illuminati bloodlines. Funny you mentioned that, but Raven. <laughs> it is very funny you mentioned that one. What is? What are the odds, General? No, oh, no. 
<laughs> Everything happens for a reason, Raven, and it really does. Um, Juan, we're not laughing at you. I just did three podcasts. Um, one of them, the first two are Tartarian red herring, which means, you know, uh, um, uh, a line of research that's not true. And then mm-hmm. the last one, the last one that I did was called the true rulers. And guess what I'm talking about in those three podcasts? I the knew blood, it. The blood, the bloodlines. <laughs> bloodlines, man. The bloodlines. I knew it. Yeah. Oh. Um, Crazy this, Raven, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Hey, 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 General, it looks like we might be talking about the bloodlines for a couple minutes. <laughs> yes, and I love it. I love it. Um, you mentioned uh, Charlemagne, right? Um, Charlemagne is actually much later in the, in the bloodlines. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we can go all the way back. (laughs) We can go all the way back to Flavius Tatumer. Um, Flavius Tatumer goes all the way back to the first part of the Roman era. Um, he is both the Marine, uh, Morovingians, which is the ones that they tried to connect to Christ. But he is also, mm-hmm. he is also the uh, uh, Patreon, is the best word. He is also the Patreon of the, uh, um, let me make sure I say it the right way, the Habsburg family, the Habsburg dynasty, which would have been your friend. Oh, my friend, the Habsburgs, yeah. <laughs> but, here's the, but, but here's the, here's the deception. The deception is, is that the Merovingians and the Habsburgs were two different people. They weren't. They both go back to Flavius Tautomer out of Rome. <laughs> um, Char- Charlemagne didn't come in until after they split. Um, you had uh, Flavius uh, Tautomer who went to the uh, Spaniard sections, basically, with the Merovingians. Spain, southern France. And then you had uh, uh, Theodomer, which was his son, and uh, Ricomeris. Now, Ricomeris is the one that started the Frankish Empire, but Charlemagne didn't come in until later. Um, they'd already they'd already split between the Merovingians and the Habsburgs. So yeah, you're right. The bloodlines are there. <laughs> um, General and I were going to do a whole podcast on them, but now I've got. Like I said, I've got three podcasts already up. It would be uh, a Random Thoughts number 27, and there's two parts, and then Random Thoughts 28. And if General thinks about it, I'll, uh, maybe he can send you a link to him. I will definitely send the links over, mate. No, not a problem. But, uh, yeah, the bloodlines are something different because they keep trying to connect the uh, Merovingians to uh, Christ. But if you go back to Flavius Tatumer, who was the uh, patriarch, patriarch, that's the word I'm looking for, patriarch of the whole family, both families, he actually goes back to Greece. Greece? Um, yeah. Um, really? Yeah, he, he turned up in Rome as an advisor, but you can track him back through Greek lineage. So that means that he survived the Greek age and ended up in the Roman age. So his family must go further back than that. Oh. I just haven't been able to track it. What's the name again? Flavius what? Flavius Tautomer. It's T-A-U-T-O-M-E-R. (laughs) 
Well, I was going to say, I can't believe it. But I got to tell you, Juan, I've, I've been working at these bloodlines for about 35 years, and I have just oh now got back. I have only just now got back to the Greeks. Yeah, Raven Gold. They, they did a real good job of, of, of hiding everything, didn't they? I mean, think about all the education you have had, and you, you never learned any of it until you started learning for yourself. And then True. 30 years later, <laughs> you get to something that, you know, that, that should be taught in, in primary school. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, a lot of people like to call these two families name stealers. And that's not really what they did. What they did is, is they they changed their names to hide who they were. And a lot of that was through marriage. Um, the Merovingians, for example, um, the Merovingians have always used their daughters in order to take over areas. So the Merovingians would marry a mayor or, or a duke or whatever. And, of course, their child would now be a Merovingian, which means the Merovingians now run that province or that country. And that's how they spread out. They use the women to do it. Um, the Habsburgs, early on, um, the Habsburg dynasty did a lot of inbreeding in order to keep the lines. Um, and that's how you ended up with the Habsburg jaw, which you can still see <laughs> in okay. some of the modern families. But the thing about it yeah, is, we, is, we is, have a, a, a political figure. We have a mayor, no, a governor that has the um, very distinctive face of a European noble because he has a chin, a, mm -hmm. a how do you say mandible in English? Mm, a jaw. His yeah, it's jaw extended. Is like, it's extended. Yep. You can fit an entire hand there. It's, it's, it's freakish. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the Habsburg jaw. <laughs> well, it's Habsburg jaw, yeah. It's called the Habsburg jaw, and it, it does throw back genetically. Um, but, you know, the Habsburgs uh, and the Merovingians mixed in the uh, Western territories, which would have been the Western Frankish territories. But a lot of the a lot of the nobility from Spain and Portugal that ended up in, in the Americas, those are Mer Merovingians primarily. Yes, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, I've chased them all the way back to Greece. But see, that's where the Phoenicians and the Venetians come in, the, the global traders, the, 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 ship, the shipping magnets of the day. Um, it's very, very hard to track any further back than that because there was a cataclysm then. Um, so the only people who would have the records would be the families themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going through ancient writers like Herodotus and Flavius Octavius. And um, I, I, have this interesting, I have this interesting theory, but I can't prove it. I think these families trace straight straight back to Agamemnon and before that to uh, Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Ah. I've not uh, I've not covered it, Gilgamesh on, on my show yeah. I would like to uh, at some point. Uh, Gilgamesh a giant. He was a very large, very long-lived human being, yes. But here's How the thing. Gilgamesh used a 
uh, he had an order within his army that was, uh, and here's where you'll see it, Juan. He had an order within his army that was a phoenix facing east and west that goes all the way back to Gilgamesh. Well, now look at the family crests today, and you'll see that phoenix facing east and west, and there'll be the head of the knight, but there'll be no face in the armor. Uh, yes. Wow. I mean, they're incredibly, they're very powerful to this day. Yeah, I mean, inbreeding as well, Ray. We mentioned this with Rob, but right, a fine example of the British royal family. Yes, the Windsors. Yes. Um, the Windsors, the Windsors would be, um, the Windsors are a combination of the Merovingians. The Windsors are a combination of the Merovingians and the Habsburgs. And the reason why we know this is because a lot of the, the English royalty and Irish and Scottish royalty were married into by the Rothschilds as they came through um, under different names. Yeah, um, with was it the Prince Philip who passed away? Was it last year? Or it might have been last year. Passed away a couple of years um, ago. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago. He, um, I th I'm sure he was some sort of could be wrong, could be wrong. Relation to the Rothschilds. Yes. Oh, was it him? Yeah, yeah. I know. I know yeah. that they are late through marriage. That is Raven. I think. Yeah, and and so was uh, so was uh, William uh, or not William Wallace. Uh, uh, the Duke of Windsor. Uh, uh, what is it? Wall Wallace Simpson, the Duke, the one that abdicated. Mm -hmm. um, but I tell you, but I tell you something else too. Maximilian in in Mexico can be tracked back to yeah. the Merovingians. From yeah. Mexico, you know that his his tomb, his yeah, his resting place, is in it's in Germany. It's a tourist. Um, this tourist place. There are mm -hmm. several uh, emperors there. The the greater the empire, the the more humble the the um, the sarcophagus. Mm -hmm. How do you say that place? That that thing? Hot box. Yeah, sarcophagus. Or casket. Sarcophagus. Or casket. And the and the and the Mexican emperor has in Latin, Imperator Mexicanorum. Mm -hmm. Which is an invention because Mexico is not a word in Latin, but it, it, yeah. it's very nice. And someone brings uh, flowers every day. Nobody knows who, but it's been going huh. on for more than two, two decades now. Sorry, mate. What was he doing? Sorry, what? What was he doing again? Did you say? Wow. They're sending flowers I every day. Did you say? Yeah, someone uh, puts flowers on the um, on the sarcophagus of the emperor of Mexico. Right, right. Huh. That's interesting. Yes, yes. Well, this far yeah, down in history. Some people wanted him as an emperor. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Red. What was that, mate? Sorry. Well, and you know, the other thing that's interesting, too, is, is that they used Latin to identify him. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been Castillo Spanish, not not uh, Latin. Right. Yeah, it should be in, in Castillo Spanish, or, or it should huh. be. Well, it's so it's so weird that the emperor was Austrian when everything else that ruled Mexico was Bourbon, was Bourbon. 
yeah. from the kings of Spain. So it's so weird well, that the House of Austria, instead of the House of Spain, would end up yeah. ruling Mexico for a while before well, it's some, liberal revolution. But, well, but let me point out that the Habsburgs and a lot of the Merovingians go through the Rhineland, which would have been which would have been Austria and Hungary and the Schwabish lands in Germany. That's where those families come out of. Um, even in modern times, like the Rockefellers and the Rothschild, the, the new Rothschilds, um, the Carnegies, all the big families, the robber baron families came out of the Rhineland in Germany. So there's another interesting connection between the emperor of Mexico and the Rhineland again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm wondering that that stuff well, is endlessly interesting to me. Well, I wonder if he was not related directly or indirectly to either the Merovingians or the uh, Habsburgs. I mean, that's about the only way that he could have become uh, a president of. I mean, like here in the United States, all the presidents that we've ever had are directly related to the royalty in Europe, which means all of our presidents mm-hmm. have been Merovingians. Mm-hmm. Do you I think that's a coincidence or is that a conspiracy theory? I don't think there's any coincidence anymore. Uh, I cannot see. see I mean, it's, it's a big coincidence. A lot of people would like to say, oh, it's a coincidence because it's so many generations. But here's the thing. How could so many generations say, stay so tightly related if they weren't doing it on purpose? Exactly. Not just, not just physically and genetically, but financially. You know, with you saying uh, then, Raven, uh, about the, the U.S. presidents uh, linking them to uh, – European royalty. Mm-hmm. I, I heard. I'm not. I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head where it, the source came from. But Bush being related to Vlad the Impaler. I know we've got Prince Charles saying he's related to him. But well, have you ever if, a... if you look at Vlad the Impaler, Vlad seems to have been one of the Habsburgs. But for some reason, he wasn't cooperating with their game plan. So they used three of the other family members to kill him off. Uh, I wonder why he's like a, it's just to me, he just seems like a rebellious. Uh, yeah. But if you leader. look at his chin, if you look at his chin in the uh, uh, photos or the paintings they have of him, he has got a Habs- Habsburg jaw. He's got that chin. Yeah, he's got that chin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, that's interesting because see, I didn't know about the uh, one. I appreciate that. I didn't know about the Mexican emperor. I'm going to have to check his bloodline now. But uh, mm, yeah, see, they all go back. They all go back to the Rhineland, and before that, they go back to Rome, and then to Greece. So that means these families have existed a very, very long time. Oh yes, yes. Uh... Well, you know, and then you have St. Germain, St. Germain, St. Germain. Um, you know, they talk about these families, bloodlines living a very long time. Look at St. Germain. St. Germain is from the Netherlands, which is where the uh, uh, Merovingians settled. Um, and he lived how many hundred years before nobody saw him again? 
and he never aged in like 400 years. Really? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was a big case because people would um, bump into him in court after 20 years of not having seen the man, and he would look exactly the same. You would think that there would be signs of time you know, on his face, but no. No, yeah, he was always young, was always the same age. Well, and there was, a there was a courtier who was a female that knew him as a child. And when her daughter was old, he still looked the same as she remembered him. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm thinking, Amy? Adriana Crow. Is yeah. Well, or, or monoatomic gold. Oh, or monoatomic mon gold. Oh, yeah. yes. You mentioned this earlier, didn't you? Monoatomic well, see, gold. these ties go back to Samaria. These got, ties go back to Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh goes back to Babylon. So we're, we're talking tens of thousands of years and multiple, multiple global civilizations. Um, that's where we're having trouble is we've had cataclysms in between. And in the meantime, these people have been able to hide their lineage. And not, not age. Well, you know, some of them have and some of them haven't. Um, I actually heard a rumor that St. Germain was seen in California here in the United States in, in 1963, and somebody identified him from a painting, and he says, I couldn't possibly be that old. <laughs> and then just laughed and walked off. <laughs> yeah, no one was laughing. Incredible. This really is. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to be looking at, though, is this. Um, monoatomic gold well you know, it, was, it was found the monoatomic gold one have you ever found out uh, there were some pyramids in mexico where they found the remnants the white powder um and it makes stones float in a weird way have you ever seen that no um they found it at teotihuacan mm-hmm yeah, they found this white powder at Teotihuacan, and somebody started playing around with it, and um, it makes things do weird dimensional things, um, including float when it shouldn't. Um, and I've never been able to find any other information because as soon as the United States went into the uh, dead zone in Mexico, a lot of that information dried up. That's strange. Just a, that coin. strange. <laughs> Just a, a coincidence. <laughs> Do you think this the, the white powder could have been monosomic gold? Well, that's the reason why I asked Juan is if if he'd ever heard. Maybe maybe between now and the next time we get to talk, he'll be able to find out. He's got uh, more local yeah. access than I do. But yes. uh, they found but they found that white powder in the Egyptian tombs. They found it in Greek tombs. They found it in Roman tombs. And Shit. they found it at Teotihuacan. Right, so... Oh, fucking hell, man. Um, if this is... If that white powder is monoatomic gold, could you imagine the possibilities of what could be done with that substance? 
well, and, and that brings us back to the alchemy, you know, um, which would probably be, which, 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 alchemy which would probably say bloodline of itself, doesn't it? That's it. From That's the it. Greeks to the Egypt, from the Egyptians to the Greeks to the Romans to the Habsburgs. Just yeah. like the Habsburgs came out of that area into Greeks, into Rome, into the Rhineland. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this, there, there, that would be a pro, that would be a project for Lux and New York Patriot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> They'd love this. Uh, this <laughs> this monoatomic goal, if it's you know preventing uh, aging. Would it be? I know it's going to be wild to say it, but immortality. Well, that's the idea. The, uh, monoatomic gold, or the, the the white powder of gold, is the the fake gold of of alchemy. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very possible that it had a medicinal uh, medicinal properties with aims to to eternal life. The elites well, now are very fond of you know, getting new blood in their system, which is a way to remain young. But monoatomic gold might have been the, the first answer to, to immortality. Well, and Saint Germain was said to have only eaten oatmeal, but he had a, but he had, but he had a uh, vial that he carried with him and he would add it to his oatmeal. You think it was monoatomic gold? Well, you know, either that or, or I hate to use monoatomic gold as, as a designator, but it, it had something to do with the alchemical process that is described by monoatomic gold. Because he, like I said, he only ate oatmeal. They never saw him eat food at, at meals. And the one thing that he did is when he ate his oatmeal in the morning or his uh, – there was the other one that's not oats. It's made from the other. When he ate that in the morning, he put like two – I can't remember what they said – two or four drops of this out of the vial into it. Um, but, you know, he also was directly connected to the Commodore in the Netherlands. As that's one of the last places that he formally visited the uh, royalty in Europe. Mm. So now we're back to the bloodlines. Yeah, you know, it's just, I'm not having this, it's not, it can't be just a coincidence. Yeah. I just found it, I just found it absolutely fascinating that one brought that up. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then it can, and then it connects to the, to the, the Mexican emperor. Uh, what's, what are the odds? Oh, wow. Everything happens for a reason. It does. I it do does. So. You mentioned that then one about bloodlines. It proper threw me <laughs> because we'd literally been speaking about it before we brought you in on the meeting. Literally. Oh, my raven. <laughs> you were? Literally. Was, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, Raven right before... released the episodes and he said, have you listened to this? And I downloaded uh, the, the last one earlier. Listen to that. But and then he mentioned we've got there's two more and then we started talking about bloodlines and then we brought you in for the meeting. So what ten minutes before we you joined, we were speaking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so 
it makes you wonder it, it, let's go back around in the circle you know how i talk general it makes you wonder if it has something to do with the radiation ah, i mean see i am to something i am i am onto something <laughs> well and radiation would be alchemical would it not yes 100 percent yeah transmutation that was the key word for the alchemists and radiation exactly. can make anything transmute Exactly. You know, nuclear blasts, uh, uh, they emit a powerful gamma radiation. The mm -hmm. gamma radiation ages uh, metal, it turns it brittle. Yes. Because it takes oxygen away. And when you take the oxygen away, you oxidize it. So it ends up being very brittle. It has a chemical um, uses, my point. Mm-hmm. But now if you, if you, oh, it makes you wonder if you deoxygenated whatever this powder is, that would take the uh, oxidation out of it, right? And what does mm -hmm. oxidation do? To, what does oxidation do to the human body? It makes us age. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking alchemy, exactly. guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Hmm. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get a hold of Patriot and Lux and see if they can't dig into this a little. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I just don't have time. Yeah, yeah, I will mention it to uh, YP. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's the fact that Saint Germain carried that white liquid powder or light white liquid with him, and that's the only thing he had other than the grains that he ate for breakfast. Um, and now we're talking about radiation transmuting. And we're making these connections across these families. You know, you realize this all goes straight back to Gilgamesh and the magic that was taught to those people by the Nephilim. This be the uh, the Canaanites, Raven. Well, it goes to the Canaanites and backwards. It goes back into Acadia and then Sumeria. Um, it, it, it goes back to the to the writings about the Anunnaki, even. Anunnaki. That comes out of Samaria. Yes, Samaria. And think about what they said about the uh, say. Think about what they said about the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki lived for thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. So now yeah. we're making now now Is we're making connections back. The great miners. Do you think there's something? They used to mine for gold, right? Yes. Using people as, as slaves. Yeah, they use. It's something that bloodlines do all the time. Use people to extract gold. Do you think, exactly. Raven, that they were mining for, I know they were mining for gold, but do you think they were trying to source this white gold, the Monoatomic well, if you look at the real, if you look at the real intrinsic value of gold, other than what people believe it to be worth financially, it's really not worth anything unless you're doing something with it uh, electronically or yeah. alchemically. Mm. I mean, that's the truth. I, 
gold has a much higher function as, as uh, being used in technology or being used in medicinal qualities than it does as, as an exchange. <laughs> well and, and it's the same with silver silver has a much more higher value as a medicinal item than it does as as an exchange for money money or currency yeah yeah it's very medicine yeah well silver silver powder for example and here's the interesting silver oxide which means that they have used a alchemical process on it silver oxide is what they use to cure wounds that were festering and it's also what they use to cure burns you know what's very strange or very peculiar uh, about alchemy uh, it's that for a junk science it seems to be very What's the word I'm looking for? Processes are to the time when you compare them to the processes of the Middle Ages, they're very similar. Yeah. In the sense that yeah. they really figured some things out and they kept using it. Now, here comes the strange part. When you check uh, Western alchemy with Eastern alchemy, it's not the same because, for no. example, the four elements are different in China that they are uh, in the rest of the world, for example. However, the same pro there are same processes with same results, different explanation. And there's this philosopher called Rudolf Steiner. He's a German yes. philosopher after the Second World War. And he had a peculiar opinion about the Chinese, which I'm getting ahead of it. I don't share the, I don't share his opinion, but his idea of this, this strange coincidence or not coincidence, is that when Satan was cast down from heaven, he went to live among the Chinese and taught them everything he knows, and that's how they have things such as the dragon bloodline, for example. Mm -hmm. But, but that wouldn't just apply to the Chinese because we have the Sumerians and the Akkadians that say that, that they were taught the, the arts and wiles of magic by the fallen ones as well. And back then, if you look at the map back then, there was a certain connection between where is now Iran and Turkey. Mm -hmm. and all that section of the world all the way to Bactria or what we now call India into China yes. all of yes. that was civilized back yes then. it was called it, so it's it perfectly called... possible for a Chinese uh, wise man or any wise man really to go from True. Anatolia for example to China or China to Anatolia and teach yes. uh, alchemy it's not mm -hmm. outside the bounds of what's possible that's true well, and, and we cannot forget that at one time there was the library in Alexandria, there was the library mm. in Constantinople, and there was the library in Delhi in India. Um, so that information wasn't held in one place. Right, right. 
But you know, th th that center area between uh, Turkey and India was called Koshaba. It was one territory at the time. Um, and there was a How lot of Koshaba. Koshaba. K-O-S-H-O-V-A, Koshava. And that was one territory. All the all the countries now that in in Istan, like Pakistan, mm -hmm. Afghanistan, all those countries were part of Koshava at the time. Um, they were under one ruler. So it would not be impossible for information to travel back and forth. We just don't know where it landed first. It depends on who you talk to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the people in the east said all the evil came from from Africa and the people in the Mediterranean said it came from the east. And, the you know, it's gotten we, so complicated. We're so quick to say the, the good stuff came from me, but the bad stuff came from that guy. Nobody likes exactly. that guy. <laughs> exactly. Very human impulse of but claiming you, what's if, good and just getting rid of the bad. Yeah, and if you read the old text, it says that it was kind of universal. The the ones from above came down, and they taught all the people the things that they didn't need to know. Yeah. And you know that was well, and that was the first that was the first corruption, Babylon. Well, and it's really hard historically, and I, I don't know what one has studied, but it's really hard historically to figure out whether Babylon or the Anunnaki were first or if they were the same thing. If you look at the descriptions of Babylon and the arrogance and the, and the way that it went, and then you read the, the stuff that comes out of the Sumerian text about the Anunnaki, it almost seems like the Anunnaki are the reason why Babylon ended up the way it was. And where did the Anunnaki come from? They came from above. Yes, that's what I'm saying, isn't it? Um, it it's too similar not to be connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More coincidences, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I would love to cover the Anunnaki at some point, uh, you know, do an episode. Uh, I don't know when, but I would love to cover them. That would be great. That would yeah, be great. Would be you know, the philosopher Plato had this explanation for the Greeks about everything they asked uh, about uh, changes in social mores, he would always uh, explain the same thing, that we live here, then there is a cataclysm, and we go up the mountain, and when we are up the mountain, the people of the mountain take care of us and teach us the things that they know, and then we go back down from the mountain, and we live among the, the rest of the people, until there's another cataclysm, and we go up the mountain, and we learn again. Mm -hmm. That was Plato's explanation of why why things work the way they do. Someone oh, yeah. comes from above and teaches you something. Yes. Well, and the other thing that you have, too, with that is when he was speaking to the Egyptian priests about uh, Atlantis, he very specifically points out that there had been a Greek age much greater and much grander. And it had mm -hmm. been destroyed in the cataclysm. That's in uh, Timaeus and Critias. Uh, that's very interesting, that Raven. One day we will restore Atlantis, you'll say. That's where history is headed. Well, and, and dark night will have Atlantis again. That's it. That's it. You know, the, the golden, that's one thing that has been said continuously. After this age, the golden age will return. Yeah. 
Yeah. We just have to make the fifth sun uh, live and exist. The, the, the Aztecs had it right. Well, and, and the Hopi call it the Great Division. There'll be two lines. There'll be one line that continues down the same track that they've been on. And then there'll be another group that says, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to go the other way. Yeah, yeah. You know, in in the text out of the Vatican, the Bible, it says, you know, the chaff and the wheat will be separated. Um, there's no tradition globally that doesn't say this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. You know, the Chinese curse, it's not a blessing. The Chinese curse is, is may you live in interesting times. If these times aren't interesting, I don't know what are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so very interesting, yeah. Well, and, you know, they, somebody said, well, that's a blessing. And I said, no, if it was interesting times, that means that you're busy and all kinds of craps going on that you don't want to deal with. If it's not interesting and it's very boring, that means that you have a very nice, sedate, peaceful life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we are in the revelation. You know, General and I talked about this the other day, but Juan, just the conversation that you brought up, plus adding all the things that General has seen and, and the things that I've – this is the time of revelation. There are things that people haven't even thought of or even acknowledged that are coming out uh, so fast that you can't keep up. That's uh, undoubtedly, there's no other way for it, mate. That's, that, well, that's what I believe anyway, uh, that we have in that, those times. But I'm not, I'm not religious, so, you know, I, I can't, I can't quote any references from the Bible because I, you know, me, I haven't read the Bible. You know, You're fine. Not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not ashamed of not read the Bible. That's just my choice. I think, me personally, I think religion, uh, it's only ever created what war, death. I can't see any good in that. Personally, that's just my opinion. Now, I've not got anything against anybody who's religious. No, I respect well, you know, beliefs as well. That's just just my my own personal I, opinion on it. I think it's toxic. I think it's a back to what we were discussing the other day, and maybe Juan will back me up on this a little bit. But I think it's what you do with it. It's your personal choice, your personal conviction. If you're going to use whatever, mm -hmm. you know, like me with me with my medicine and and my native and my mystic nature. It depends on what you're going to do with it. You can you could take religion and turn it into a, a, a nightmare or you can take those principles and apply them and actually have a good life. It, it's completely up to the individual. And that's yeah. where the organization loses out. Yeah, I think the way you just worded it, then, Ray, that would be what I should have worded it like, uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But still, I still stand by it. I still believe that in well, my own opinion. And in the end, if you read the text, it doesn't matter if it comes from India or from the Catholics or from Christianity or from Islam. In the end, it's personal.
it's it, there's no organization going to help you there's no they might guide you a little but in the end it's personal it's up to you to do what you need to and and as long as people are doing that whether it be native or zulu or hopi or or aboriginal in australia as long as they're living that way by based on their own traditions then we're all moving in the right direction <laughs> yeah, i agree with you there mate uh, thanks for that uh, i think as as well it's your intention you know if you yeah. like you say if you want good out of it you're going to get good out of it if you want bad out of it you're going to get bad out of it but uh, the way i see it i just think of all like the the war what have been uh, resolved revolved sorry, around religion too much well and we also have to keep in mind that the Habsburgs and the merovingians have had their hands in this for a very long time so there's been corruption yeah oh yeah, yeah. just corruption it's sick oh, yeah. probably the downfall of society actually the, the corruption well, and, and here's the other thing a lot of people missed is the Habsburgs, direct lineage of the Habsburgs, were the Holy Roman Emperor for almost 400 years straight. Wow, that says a lot. That. They were the stability of Europe. They had the stability centuries upon centuries upon centuries. They even survived Napoleon. Yeah. And and they were, it was because of the Habsburgs. They, they got kicked out of the... Well, here's the thing. The, the office of the emperor doesn't exist anymore. However, the person does exist and is very influential because he's one of the families in So the respect doesn't go away. What goes away office, but not... The Habsburgs have been planning something because... Back in the day, the general plan for the peasants was for them to have kids, then, you know, die off or, or give me money and have your children. But now they don't want their peasants to have children. Now they want their peasants to not have children, not reproduce, and not leave anything behind. So they're planning something because they themselves, they keep having children, a great deal of them. Mm -hmm. Regardless of whatever lie they tell the impressionable Europeans, they don't stop having children, they don't stop having families, but they ask the Europeans themselves. So they're planning something. The office of emperor doesn't exist anymore. However, they're not afraid, which means they plan how they're going to survive in the age. Around yeah. the 30s, the 1930s, they must what was going to happen after the defeat of Hitler and what they would do. And whatever they decide, they're doing it. Yeah, we see that we see that with the United Nations and the Club of Rome and the Davos and the mm -hmm. Bilderbergs. <coughs> the World Economic Forum that they have well, you know, on Twitter. They're on Twitter. At least one of them. And you know, he doesn't like, according to him, he doesn't like the World Economic Forum. But a lot of people from his family and other families close to him work at the World Economic Forum. Many other royal houses have people working there. Well, yeah, you know, no. they're ambassadors to the Vatican and so on. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I had said before talking to general that one of the problems that we have is people are unwilling to see the longevity, how long this thing has been going on. I've tracked it all the way back to Greece. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that they refuse to see is that this is just one basic family group or two, actually the Merovingians and the Habsburgs, but it's two family groups with all their subsidiary families that they've married into. So there's still one central controller and that would be the Commodore. And the only place that you can find that particular person is in the Netherlands. Netherlands. And, yes. And he, well, you can't miss him. He's the one that runs the Bilderberg always has the King of the Netherlands. You know what would be meant, mate? We got him on the uh, on podcast. Get him on a round table. <laughs> Be good. King of the Netherlands runs the WEF. Yes, and they also run that, all the, the families. Well, you know, I call him Commodore mm -hmm. because uh, if you if you go back through the merchant class, the person who was in charge of all of the merchant ships. Even the admirals answered to the Commodore. So the only title that I could think of for the king of, Nether of the Netherlands with reference to the families would, he, would be that he is the Commodore. And I don't think it's an accident that the king of the Netherlands is the one that established the Bilderberg. Uh, You know, Bilderberg predates Davos. It predates uh, the WEF. Um, and Bilderberg, in the original form of the meeting of the monarchs, predated the United Nations, even. Mm -hmm. They used to call it the uh, when they used to call it the meeting of the monarchs, but I can't remember what title they gave the uh, gala. It was like a large ball that they had. Um, and that was before the United Nations. Right, right. What do you think Catholics really thought about the French Revolution? That's the time <laughs> the Templars got their got their revenge against the French king, but they didn't take the revenge against the German kings. The Napoleon never tried to destroy him destroying the Holy Roman Empire, but not not the kings or anything like that. What do you think they were thinking that there will be less less um, competition? Well, in the case of the in the case of the French Revolution, we know that the we talked about this some at some point in time, but the the Jacobins, um, J A C O B I N S, the Jacobins, who also turned up in England, by the way, at the abdication as Jacobites. Um, the uh, Jacobins, the Jacobins in France were Jesuits, which means that they worked for the Habsburgs and the Merovingians. Well, the king of France at the time was blocking the expansion into France. So by getting him out and getting the merchants in, they allowed the Merovingians to take over the rest of France. Uh -oh. I'll expertly planned, Raven. They, 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 they know what they want, don't they? Well, I mean, it was it, it, if you look at what happened, it was the, the uh, Jesuits and the Habsburgs that, that arranged that. And then 
you can see the Jacobites that turned up in England at the ab uh, at the uh, abdication of the throne. So I can't see that the two aren't connected. What's that noise of yours? <laughs> Another UFO? <laughs> it, it sounds like poor Juan's having to work. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Your> mate. <laughs> We're in the middle of a storm here. Oh. It's oh, been, it's been incredibly hot. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been incredible. Hot. It's been 38 degrees Celsius. Holy so moly! It gets raining and it it gets down. The the temperature goes down. Thank God. Yeah, there you go. I tell you, my my corner of the mountains has been quite docile. We've had a couple storms come through, but the temperature here has been. Uh, unseasonable it's almost like being in early spring or late fall no 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 no. i'm in i'm in the uh, appalachian mountains in north carolina um where i live at is right between virginia north carolina and tennessee the good part of america it's it's mountains it's pretty it's quiet <laughs> Well, it's like, did you say Virginia and North Carolina then? Yes. North Carolina. Yeah, literally where I'm at, these mountains touch Virginia, uh, Tennessee, um, North Carolina is where I live, and then just south of me is Georgia. All right. So I'm like right in the mountains. And we haven't had the extreme heat that everybody else has here in the United States. We've actually been like right on that line. So it stayed fairly cool. Goodness, but I guess poor, people, poor folks in Mexico and Texas. Yeah. Good lord! Yeah, I bet you've got like oh, a yeah. bit of protection there, being in the mountains, aren't you? Well, a lot of times the storms will go around the mountains because of the way that they formed. Um, but the the cool air gets locked in here too, so we actually are lucky that way. But you know, if you go a yeah. hundred miles south of me into Georgia, it's hot like it like it is in Texas and Mexico right now. Like, how's the weather? Yeah, how's the weather up there? In England? Yeah. Um, just normal, mate, I would say. Um, last week, beginning of last week, uh, it was pretty warm. Now, we was on about this, I was doing a show, I think it was Brandy, or we, we might have been with Scott, we mentioned the weather, how the media uh, portrayed it as being like unbearably hot. Well, it was hot, don't get me wrong, and it was really Yeah, humid. the media keeps saying that, that, according to the media, the general is melting in, in heat, oh, oh. when in reality it's not that bad, right? Yeah. They, they, they made it out as if it was the hottest hottest day in existence <laughs> but, yeah, it was warm but you know i think you know, what, well everything needs to be a crisis yeah oh yeah I think absolutely what well, made, well, what would was, was the fact them, yeah. it, it was humid well, 
Well, you know, in poor Juan, Mexico is getting invaded by Americans. They say there's about three and a half million Americans that have fled the United States to Mexico. We're, we're, they're running backwards. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Come get your people out of here. <laughs> a lot of Americans in Mexico City and here, too. <laughs> oh, man. They make everything expensive. I don't know how they do it. They have magical powers that allows everything to become expensive. Well, you know, it's it's and unfortunately, most Americans, when they travel, they're still Americans. They don't even try to to reach out and be part of the community that they're visiting. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to tell you one. I loved Mexico when I was there. The only place that I didn't really enjoy being in was Mexico City. But it was the population. I'm mm -hmm. just not used to that many people in one place. But it was oh, a beautiful yeah. city. It's beautiful city, wonderful people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Great weather. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a, it has an amazing, amazing weather. The problem is that human beings are not made to coexist with another two million people. Mm -mm. You know, I loved I loved being down there, but no, Mexico no. City was and just you can see it. just I too used big. To live there for 18 years. Wow! Mm. Wow! <laughs> you can yeah. see it goes on from two million people, and now Americans are coming in like it's a tourist destination, just to, just to see how they live. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Trust me, I understand. I, I live, I live on what is called a reservation or, or a boundary. It's it's set aside for the tribe that I'm part of, and we have people who are tourists here as well. <laughs> you get many tourists, Raven. Well, you know, we build a casino to make money, so yeah, we have a lot of people. <laughs> you know something? Oh, okay. It's funny you should mention that because there's a lot of uh, I won't say a lot. Of, I have heard. Of a fair few like casinos linked to uh, native uh, reservations. Oh yeah, through yeah, like, to... like films and TV series as well. Oh yeah, well when I when I used to do stand up comedy when I was traveling, I did yeah. a lot of shows opening for other comedians at casinos that were native casinos. It was funny, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, wow. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like the Pueblo system. Are you familiar with that, Juan? No. No, what's the Pueblo system? Well, basically, they give you a certain amount of land to live on and don't leave it. <laughs> um, it changed over... <laughs> It, it changed. It changed over time, but at first, we were held at gunpoint. You don't leave. You've been. You got held at gunpoint. What in the casino? No, 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 no. Um, when the reservation system was established, right? Um, the American military actually set up forts around the reservations, and if you tried to leave, they shot you. This was back in the 1800s. Seems a bit excessive. I think that Americans, way. that could be 1981 as well. You know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and well, knowing Americans, it will happen today. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'll give you a really good example. My grandfather, 
um, was a, a veteran. He fought in the Korean War, and he learned how to, to be a machinist, you know, work metal in the machines. Um, locally, he could get a job, but they were only going to pay him half what they were going to pay a white person. So the mm. government offered him a money to relocate, which meant he had to leave all of his family and leave the, the, the tribe. But he could get a job making three or four times as much money if he was willing to move. So that's how my family ended up not living on the reservation. Um, you just couldn't survive on the money that the people would pay you here. Okay, you mate. Okay, and that makes sense. That doesn't. Well, I mean, it was just a continuation of of the uh, prejudice. Yeah. Yeah, did you know that when the Nazis started to round up the Jews and, and make all the horrible things that they're known for, prevented uh, from watching the Americans? They put people in, in reservation, then ghetto, then. That's how the, the Germans learned their horrible way of treating other races was through the Americans. Yeah. Which was quite the shock. Quite the shock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they uh, when they started rounding individual groups up, they put them in ghettos first, and once they had them isolated there and poor and starving, then they rounded them up, and that's what happened with Native Americans here in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know, we we've uh, I don't know. I mean, if you look at if you look at the way that the uh, tribes in Mexico were treated for a long time. Um, it was no different. Oh, yeah. um, they and the same thing. Slaves. Well, when and it I was moved the same... here to, when I moved here to Merida, just to give you an impression of of how was the interrelation, the the relationship between the races. When I moved here to Merida, there was this big house. We wanted to rent it, so we go see their big house, and it was a very beautiful house. And in, next to the garage, which was a, a long way for the, for the car, next to the garage was a small, small uh, door that led to a cavern. Because that, that stuff is not, I wouldn't even put tires in it. It was a small cavern with one light bulb. And it was, according to them, suitable for at least five people. Mm. Because in his words, don't worry, they don't, they, they're okay with a little. They don't need more. Wow. That, that was the whole justification behind it was, well, they don't need much. Mm, that's a bit disrespectful. That's some well, horrible stuff. Yeah, it's well, look, look at the housing that, that the World Economic Forum and the United Nations is trying to sell around the world. They want a family of five to live in one of those little mini houses. Mm-hmm. That's what they're uh, trying to sell. How big are they, mate? You don't mind me asking. I think they're like a thousand square foot. Sheesh. Yeah, a thousand square it's foot for a humane. family. Yeah, a thousand square foot humane. for a family of four. They don't give a shit, even do they? Yeah, no. I don't give a shit. The other My day porch. when they had these. Uh... Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Juan. Well, uh, the other day when the, or maybe a month ago, when the World Economic Forum held a meeting, who was the, the video feed, had a description at the top that said, uh, World 
what was it? World Government Meeting. Mm-hmm. As if they had just won, you know? And I was looking yeah. at Klaus Schwab, who dresses like a villain from James Bond. And I was wondering, <laughs> are they acting or do they really think they're vi villains from James Bond? I love it. You know, I brought I brought that up the other day talking to somebody that when you look at the World Economic Forum and all these puppets like Trudeau and Macron and Merkel or mm -hmm. Merkel and and uh, here in the United States, we've got Biden and his bunch. When you look at them, they just seem like actors. They really don't seem like they have a lot of control over anything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, well, and, and I, and like I to imagine themselves to be incredibly important but if if michael Habsburg call, gives a phone call it's they, it. they close up it's that simple if the, the venetians the venetian family is like pepperoncini for example if pepperoncini decides tomorrow that klaus schwab is out of a job he'll be working at mcdonald's exactly exactly and I, you know i brought that I brought that up the other day talking to somebody on the phone. I said, you don't understand if the Commodore in the Netherlands or any of his family members decides that the WEF has overstepped their reach, they will erase the WEF while they're having a meeting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it almost seems like the WEF is a distraction for other things that are going on. They want exactly. you to look. They want you to look at the WEF and ignore the other things that are going on, like the they stuff that the United really Nations it. are doing. Mm -hmm. They want you to really hate it, to, to really, I don't know. What I was thinking is that maybe the deception here is that they make you think like you know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, right? Oh, yeah. Because you say well, they must good be the cop, bad, bad guys. Cop. So this Habsburg guy, he must be the good guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, binary I mean, that's, thinking. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking is is uh, they're going to present us with a plan from the United Nations that's better than what the double uh, the World Economic Forum has given us. So now we have a good guy to look at and a bad guy to look at in our choice, which is not a choice at all. Infamy is to come up with two lies and make everyone else fight over which version is true. <laughs> exactly, Juan. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can see it in America with uh, Clinton and Trump. Mm -hmm. If Clinton is all evil, then the other guy must be all good, right? Well, that was the setup. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in the United States, they have been doing this divisive thing for decades. It started back when Reagan was president, but they have literally created two camps and then divided those camps down to the point where even the people who claim to be one or the other don't get along. And I'm seeing it mm -hmm. in France and England. I'm seeing it. You know, the only country I've seen that has actually maintained some kind of stability and I can't figure out why is Mexico. They seem to be more stable than any of the rest of the countries around the planet right now. Well, it's a be, small miracle. Yeah. It may be because of all the misery and all the terrible things that went on in Mexico for 200 years, and the people just don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, the I mean, thing about the Mexican is that he can really not care about who says 
he's the king of the world. He'll just they'll just do what Mexicans do. They don't care who says who's in charge. They never care. You know something, what with all this, uh, it's still now there's problems in Mexico. Where you out with the cartels. Mm-hmm. But but you like you saying, Raven, stable, just in their own way. I guess. Well, uh, that is, uh, and by the way, that is a very stable fight, the fight against the cartels, because the variance of the cartel is in very well-designated areas. When you go into Mexican City, you can know in the first five minutes if the cartel is responsible for the place or the Mexican military. It's very simple. The people carrying the guns, are they wearing combat boots or sneakers? If there are sneakers, yeah. then the cartel, and you can expect the body to be mutilated and all the horrors. If it's a military, it's going to be okay. That's how it works. Well, you even have well, a lot of families here in Merida with that system. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, the thing I noticed when I was in Mexico was that even the cartels want to maintain some kind of order. So you don't yeah. get total chaos, you don't get total chaos mm-hmm. even where they're at. Exactly. Um, as long as there's turns a out balance, they're, they're not anarchists. <laughs> exactly. It turns out exactly. they're not anarchists. Um, they have their own system. I mean, if you've got a hundred dollars American, it might get you a little little farther than twenty. But uh, they still are business people. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like um, capitalism with a gun. Yeah, I mean, really, that's what it uh, is. And sometimes the coyotes in the in the policia are more dangerous than the cartel members. Yeah. They have more imagination. So you managed to move out of Mexico City into a more, uh, uh, I don't know what, here we call it country, um, um, down a uh, less urban area? Are you in a smaller city? Uh, one? A small city. Yes, a small city of a million people. Whoa. It's the capital <laughs> of the South. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, but even uh, here, I'm from the city, and they're from the country. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Even a million. Here. Gracious. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, to where, Mexico, where I live that's, at, that's not much. Yeah, I know. Where, where I live at, um, uh, let me explain to you both. Where I live at, I have, let's see, there's five over there. <laughs> Hang on a second. Five, <laughs> se- there's 12, there's f- two and three kids, so that's 17. I got about 30 people that live within a half a mile of me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a half a mile between me and the next 30 people. <laughs> Big difference there in the last. <laughs> that's good living. I mean, yeah. I, I, I could take my bow out and shoot it in the air, and the odds are pretty good I would not land in their yards. <laughs> um, now, they do have hunting dogs every once in a while. When I'm on with the general, one of the dogs will be out chasing something, and you can hear it. But, exactly, mate. We've heard dog went a few times, haven't we? Um, but, but truthfully, if, if I stand up and walk out at the end of my yard, I can see the house that's about... Oh, I don't know. It's about a uh, about three or four football fields away, but it's down on the next valley, so they're not connected to me. <laughs> right, right. 
So, so that should give you, and I'm talking about European and, and Mexican football, not American. Um, it's about, like I said, three or four, three, three and a half or four football fields away from me. So roughly between 350 and 450 yards. Yeah. yeah. You said about 100 yards to learn the football pitch. Oh, yeah. So if you need to, you need a cup of, of coffee from your neighbor, you screw. I mean, I, I got to walk. It's yeah. going to be a lot of walking. It's a lot of walking. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I'm up on an upper valley, so I actually have to go down to the road from my house and then down the road to the next valley and then over to their house. Um, I would, I would probably have to walk a half a mile to get to, to the house that I can see from here. Perfect temperature for drinking by the time you got back, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I love being in cities. I visited New York. I visited several cities in Mexico and, and I've been all over the United States as far as that goes, but you can't beat the quiet that I have here. Um, and the space. Yeah. Well, if you ever come to England, mate, both of you, just let me know. You're more than welcome to come here. <laughs> I miss, I liked being in England back in the Piccadilly circus days. Shame <laughs> on me. <laughs> um there was twice i was there was twice i got to stay in england for an extended period the first time i stayed um right where the ferry comes in um liverpool oh that's near where i am actually i live in manchester way what i i loved liverpool the people there were so amazing and there was still music <laughs> um and then the other time i stayed at something hampton i'm sorry general i can't remember it was up north almost into almost into the uh, uh almost into into uh north scotland. or southern iron yeah it was almost into scotland as a matter of fact i jumped i jumped from there to uh, glasgow as a matter of fact i stayed in glasgow and then i went over to dublin that time um, right. i i loved being there <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's Northampton, Southampton. Well, I know the. I I think the county was Northampton. Is that how you no. guys do it, counties? There's counties, yeah. Uh, Northampton. But I can't. I, I can't remember. I can't remember the city I was in. It was out out by the coast. Right. Uh, but did you say it was near Glasgow way? Yeah. Uh, but, sure. uh, I, I can't remember i can't remember it's been too many years general but you, yeah. you, you know we're very lucky to have been able to travel the way that we did when i was younger you know yeah um well, not, a lot of people like down down towards southway uh, so yeah, i don't yeah. think if he was in glasgow i don't think it would have been anywhere uh, what well, might have been at all I know where I stayed at was north, and then we went up to uh, we went up to uh, we went up to Scotland, and then we went over to Dublin. But that's too many years ago. Um, but Mexico, my goodness, Mexico is so diverse. It's it's like kind of like the United States. Everywhere you go, it's different. Yeah. Um, we have almost all the ecosystems except for the tundra. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see a a a tropical uh, jungle 
if you want to see a, a classical forest with snow and everything like that, you have that as well. Right. Yeah, that's part of oh. why Mexico doesn't care about the rest of the world. We we have our own our own space. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about the volcanoes down there, Juan? Well, in Mexico City, there's a volcano, Popocatépetl, that's the name. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been dormant, but once upon a time, when I was in Mexico City, it started to smoke out ash. And you could see mm -hmm. the entire city covered in gray ash. And just wow. Ash descending. It was wow. a beautiful, beautiful day. <laughs> yeah. And fortunately for us in Mexico City, if the, vol if the volcano is ever to erupt, it's up to the twin sister of city of Puebla. Mm -hmm. Mexico City for uptight conservative people. So it, the lava goes down to the conservative people and everyone else is not affected. <laughs> and there's always this rivalry with them because they're very, they're very wealthy and there's always this rivalry because they're cathedral is world famous in their beauty but mm -hmm. we we still think we're better you know uh, the aztecs called Tenochtitlan or mexico city they called it the belly button of the world and in mexico it's true no matter where you go the city is always the same hmm. that was uh well like like i said i, well, I we have wanted to go to Mexico for years. We'll get get to go at some point, but yeah, it just looks beautiful. I mean, you know, it, regardless of all the horror stories, you hear people getting potentially kidnapped. So you can get that in any city, really, anywhere you go. But we will, we will go. Well, you know, and I have never judged a country by its government because I do not want to be judged by mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a wise policy. It's brilliant, not it? We have well, problems with a, with a governor who sold so much money, so ooh. much raw money, that in the end, the hospitals didn't have anything for cancer treatment. Oh. And his wife would, would write down in a in a journal, Meresco la abundancia, I deserve abundance. She would write it over and over and over again, hundreds of times, because obviously he, they got caught. You can't steal everything and not expect to be caught. And they yeah. were siblings to their things, and they found the, the, the wife's journal with I deserve abundance over and over and over and over and over, like a crazy person trying to convince herself of, of this terrible crime. It was so awful that he got replaced by someone else, but quickly replaced by someone else because he couldn't keep his hand to himself. He just wanted to steal something. Everyone else was doing it, so why not him? And for a good five years, the state of Veracruz could not find the governor that wouldn't steal everything that wasn't nailed to the ground. Wow. It was a major problem. That's why I don't uh, I don't criticize the Americans or or the British because if they judge me by my standards, I'm I'm doomed. <laughs> well, you know, here in the United States, they've been stealing everything not nailed down for about 75, 80 years. 
at least since World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of it was already stolen by then, but they they finished the theft in the last eighty years. There's nothing more beautiful than the thieves. Well, you know, sooner or later they're going to pay for it. Yeah, everything comes at a cost eventually, doesn't it, Raven? Well, you know, yeah. eventually, 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 whether you call it karma or you call it justice from God or you call it, uh, you know, getting what's due, eventually they all pay for it. Um, and sometimes it's their own that does it to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you if you have a look in the you know the chat. I've just sent you a screenshot. Yeah, of my, I saw. Have you seen that? There? Well, you know, yeah. I, when I when I had the when I had the thirty days off, I stayed in Manchester for a while. Oh, nice um, one, mate. Yeah, like stayed it. in Manchester. Um, like there used to be a theater a theater there where they did live. Uh, uh, I think it was Shakespeare. Don't hold me to it. All right. Um, there, and it was an old theater too. It's beautiful. I, I actually went to see the theater, and then I found out there was a show. <laughs> oh, so you just went there on the off chance, and then there you go. You found something like yeah. that. Well, I was actually wanting to see the. I was wanting to see the theater because it was old, and yeah. uh, it was one. Of, it was one of the old structures, and and then I found out I could go see a show. So, like a couple days later, I got to go see a show there. It was fantastic. How long ago did you go to that? Um, good Lord, General, I haven't traveled much since like 2006. And the last time I was in it, the last, the, the last time I was in England was like 98 or 99. Oh, right. That's, that's uh, some time ago, that mate, isn't it? But, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you, any of you come over, just let me know. And, uh, well, I think, I think, I think, with, I think, I think with one setup, we need to go visit him. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'd love to do that. Also I live tackle. close to Cancun, which is just uh, the most uh, tropical paradise you can imagine. Oh, do you make nice this Cancun? This tiny island called the Island of Holbosch. It's mm. mosquito island, but besides being eaten alive by mosquitoes, the... and there are no mosquitoes, it's it's beautiful because the, it's a jungle, but the water is it's blue. It's amazing. Oh. Cancun, when I, <coughs> excuse me, guys, allergies. I was in Cancun in like 96 or 97. It was beautiful. But, uh, and that was, that was accidental. Somebody gave me, somebody gave me a vacation for my birthday to go to Cancun for a week. <laughs> Every That's time there's a hurricane. Uh, the the sand goes away, so there's no beach, right? So after mm -hmm. every yeah. hurricane, there's always a truck with the sand. Every time I go to Cancun, trucks of sand going by. Every time. Wow. Wow. But no, I, I people I just, take uh... it as a souvenir <laughs> because it's really it's cool to the touch. In in Acapulco, for example, that's another beach. Uh the yes. sand is so hot you have you have to run all the way to the ocean in cancun the 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 sand is really cool to the touch mm -hmm. so you don't have to run everywhere 
Uh, I guess sometimes the sand can be disturbingly hot, can it, under your foot? Especially on the bottom of your feet. It's quite a, a sensitive area anyway. Not nice with heat, <laughs> especially on sand. Wait, and it, it's a shame so many people can't hear someone like Juan talking about his country because into Juan will dispel a lot of what people have been hearing in the mainstream media, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah, um, I think that's probably as important as all the other stuff we talk about is, hey, this is what it's really like here. Yes, there are problems, you know, but this is what we're like. We're, we're not like what you keep hearing. Yeah, yeah. I'll go point there, Raven. It's a uh, well, shame in it, really. Yeah, well, here in the United States, the only thing they ever hear about are the cartels and people sneaking into the country. They don't actually get to see people living in Mexico or hear people living in Mexico. So they don't understand that what they're getting is a lot of uh, hyperbole um, yeah. to create fear. That is basically, in a nutshell, what it is they're trying to achieve. And, you know, the most likely is achieving that, Raven. Hmm? They're most likely achieving that, aren't they? Unfortunately. You know, they want us to all be afraid of each other so that we don't communicate. And one, this is what this is what uh, General and I have said a few times. The interesting thing is while all these other people are becoming fearful and separated and more divided, there's a lot of us in different circles that are coming together and actually yeah. gaining more. <laughs> yeah, people are getting to be alienated. Yes. A lot yeah, of Americans are deeply alienated. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah. trying to turn everybody against each other. Well, and, and, you know, if you have to run around in a mask and you can't be within six feet of each other, how are you mm -hmm. going to communicate or relate to each other? <laughs> the thing about they, America is they, they pump people full of fear. Yes. That doesn't work here. Because here, the, when, when, for example, when there's an, an election and the TV uh, companies are trying to sell you someone for you to vote, they try to pump you with, with fear. But it never works because the Mexican just prays to the Virgin of Guadalupe, to the Virgin of Guadalupe, and that's it. Mm -hmm. the, the only sacred things to the Mexicans are the lottery and the Virgin, and that's it. Everything else we know is corrupt and compromised and so on. We, we just don't care. And that's why we don't get Americanized that way. They tried it with COVID, you know, because COVID did kill yeah. a lot of people in Mexico. And it didn't work because we still pray to the Virgin and that's it. Mm -hmm. It's our passport out of fear. Well, and that's the thing, you know, it's the individual's ability to reach across and understand that the fear is unnecessary. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're play, praying, to, praying to the Virgin or if you're someone like me who says, hey, look, I'm here. <laughs> um, if this is what it's supposed to be, fine, but I'm not going to be afraid of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so many people are so afraid of dying and they, they don't seem to understand that that's at this point in time, that is one appointment that we can't avoid.
Yeah, it's unavoidable, Raven. Unavoidable. Well, at least the way things are right now, it's unavoidable. If things happen to change, let me know, because I, I, I could stand to stick around for a while longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what time you're on, lads, uh, but if it's 1.42 here, I would love to keep chatting, but uh, I'm getting pretty tired. Sorry. Yep, you've had a long day. Yeah. All right. well, uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you both. Too. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Uh, Very nice was, to meet was, you. Was, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I had yeah, a lot of fun. Top episode. Uh, do you want to let everybody know they can get hold of you, please, Juan? Well, you can find me on Twitter as Pulpasoid. It's P U L P, as in Paul. A Z O. I D Polpa Soy Sound in Polps. Thank you. Thanks, mate. I'm Raven. Uh, same as ever. Spreaker.com. You can find me under Raven Kiefer or No Apologies Enough Said. Oh, mate. Nice one. Um, so, what I'll do, Juan, uh, is I'll send you some links of Raven's podcast as soon as we finish talking. Yeah, yeah please.